Welcome to episode 8 of Inside the Table, a tabletop RPG talk show. A show in which we talk about the craft of tabletop role-playing games. My name is Marley, you can follow me at Minor underscore Lenahan, and my pronouns are he, him. And joining me today is my co-host Cole. Hello, Cole. Hello, my name is Cole, aka Ice Cole Brew. My pronouns are he, him, they, them. And today, we are joined by... Hi, I'm Brandon, aka Ashenworks. You can follow me at Ashen underscore works, and my pronouns are he, him, and I'm the co-founder of Huntsman's Hydra. Welcome. Thank you. Now, before we get started, Brandon, we should take a moment to get to know you and get to know what Huntsman's Hydra is. I'm not sure why I'm doing this voice. I, I don't either. I sort of just started off to throw everyone on, onto a loop. Uh, but, but, let, uh, tell me about Huntsman's Hydra. We've, we've, uh, Cole has been, has been on, uh, has been talking about this since the very first episode and has been doing it since before we started recording. Mm-hmm. But like, tell me about what it is. Tell me about what it, what it's, what it, how it got started. Sure. Wait, can you do me a favor? Give me the outline. <laughs> can you do me a favor? Can you say it in a very, this is 60 minutes voice? This is Huntsman's Hydra. Do you know how long it's been since I've seen any 60 minutes? Um, this is a Huntsman's Hydra. It is a multi-headed tabletop RPG business um, with the main focus right now being on streaming and video production. So over on our Twitch channel. Huntsman's Hydra actually started as a business my first D&D character opened. Uh, mm. It was a tavern called the Huntsman's Hydra because it was multi-headed in the fact that it was a bar and in i believe a spa and a few other things throughout the course <laughs> of the campaign i just kept adding uh different business ideas to it and it all culminated uh back when i started playing in 2012 then from there i kind of put it on the back burner of like oh this would be fun to have an actual business name that uh until let's see 2019 when i met my partner mariah aka mischievous red then kind of from there we kept talking about it she wanted to open a bar one day i was hoping to get like a coffee shop or a game store and huntsman's hydra came to be as an official business really so it's a it's an actual bar that's the hope i think that is the hope. That is the long-term goal. Right. right now, it is we're doing things that we can within our budget and with yeah. um, the pandemic in 2020, we really got to sit yes. down and work towards this idea and what we wanted to do with it in the meantime. Um, so we were in Boston, Massachusetts at the time, and we ended up founding it and then starting Twitch streams on it with the goal of being... This gets our name out there. We can start mm. networking and kind of figuring out how other places do business. And then we can build up ourselves once we get settled somewhere. Okay. That's cool. And then it'll become a spa and a, and a, and a tavern and, a, yeah. and all the rest and, of it. <laughs> and multiple, and you know, multiple locations and themes and all that jazz. Can, can I, can I be a franchise owner for that can i like opt in to help <laughs> well, run this okay, it so, sounds like a dream so cole so cole you know that depends on where you end up living we've talked about this fair 
Because if you're where I am, then you just are an employee. (laughs) (laughs) We just have seven different locations. Feel like a McDonald's. We'll we'll see. (laughs) Yeah, Um, that's really sweet. But yeah, so it's the uh, it's the the partner dream between Mariah and I, and then kind of what we're doing right now is with the Twitch channel. It's really showing off our favorite tabletop RPGs in the fantasy, sci-fi, and horror genres, and that's represented by the three heads on the Huntsman's Hydra logo. I um, didn't realize. Hold on, I'm gonna Google the Huntsman's Hydra logo. Yeah, we'll see if Google likes us today. Oh, that's white as skeleton. Yeah. Oh, I was just like, that's a, that's what a Hydra looks like. That's what it is. I've played Hades. That's what that is. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. We got never realized it's it's fantasy, <laughs> sci-fi, and horror. Uh, which right now, uh, we have. We have we have a lot of fantasy. We're working on horror, and uh, I know Cole and I have talked about some sci-fi in the background. Mm. Um, that should be coming soon. That sounds really cool. I have some general ideas, but I'm gonna wait until later this year to get into that because yeah, yeah. I'll, start, I'll announce it live on a podcast. Well, not live, recorded on a podcast. Coming 2023. Um, no, just say <laughs> just say bleepy bleep bleep. They'll never know. Yeah. No, what we do is we say bleepity bleep bleep on this episode, and then when I actually announce it, we go back, we cut this episode, and we say that date then, on the, and yeah, cut yeah. that into this episode. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Seamless. Perfect. What, re-edit an old released podcast? Yeah, no. Never done that before. Okay. And speaking of chaos, uh, Cole, who is in two shows on Huntsman's Hydra, uh, is usually the reason I end up having editing work on those shows. <laughs> Why?! <laughs> all the swearing um no because <laughs> everything's marked as 18 plus for a reason um yeah but no more more just like we'll start getting into t- something and we're we're about to go to break and then cole just has to say something that's too funny for me not to keep in so now oh, no. now that now the brb screens up and i've got cole talking in the background and then it cuts to music and yeah. it'll be that way every episode that's very funny I also I wanted to just quickly say that my my internet name Minor Lenahan was literally a map maker in my my own D and D campaign. It was like one of those mm-hmm. things I just had, and so this so it's so funny that like Huntsman's Hydra came from from a game like that. Yeah, it's just like yeah, <laughs> business names are hard to come up with. And actually, I have um my my first character Wayne. I, I have art of him hanging up in my office, so I always like have something to reference when I'm thinking about Huntsman Sidra. That's really cool. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah, no, Colt Rue is just a nickname my partner helped me come up with for branding purposes, and now I'm just <laughs> Yeah, it's coffee. Yeah, I'm just coffee now. Or a beer, depending. Uh that's true. It, cold yeah. brew? Yeah. A cold brew? Hey, can I get a cold brew from you? Uh 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 cr- cold one. Yeah. Yeah. With the boys. Um, the boys. <laughs> that's my uh, boy band name. Call <laughs> <laughs> with the boys. No, um, I, that would be sick. I had that thought earlier. <laughs> like, do you all have that point where, if uh, depending on what people call you, you can immediately flag where they know you from? Mm. Not really. I'm Molly. I've always been Molly. I'm trying to be minor. But I, I'm starting to get to that point because I definitely have people who, if they've met me in person, they call me Brandon for the most part. Um, yeah. 
but like we'll we'll be in the middle of something and someone will call me ash or ashen and i do a double take because i'm like this isn't in a text like this is yeah <laughs> this is weird <laughs> god yeah it's a little like that with mine now sometimes but. i i just kind of get to that point where like i now know if someone calls me icb they call they know me from an esports area and i'm like okay how do i need to treat this yeah yeah, when somebody calls me the champ, I know that it's from my boxing days and that sort of thing. <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> I thought it'd be like, oh, we got another bit of Marley backstory. It used to be a boxer. No. no. I used to be a stand-up comedian. That was a thing I did for a couple times. I dressed up as a, as a cat. That was a thing I did. And I was also a Dracula. Um, don't know why. I was 18. I was trying to figure it out. Anyway, today we're talking about Forge the Dark games. Uh, but first, let's go through things that have been inspiring us lately. This is the inspirations slash how is it going segment. Uh, so yeah, let's talk about what's been inspiring us lately. Not just in tabletop things, but in all things. Um, for this one, I want to kind of shake it up a little bit. Does everyone have dice on them? Sure. Um, yes. yes. Okay. Do you have like a hundred sided dice? I got two D hundred, like a D one hundred. I have a, yeah, I have a, I have a D hundred as in two D ten that I can yeah. roll. If you have an actual D one hundred, let me know because that's amazing. Um, I, I don't. I know where I can get one. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. I have a D. I have a D thirty somewhere. I would like a D one. Too many. That's a dot. So 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 what I'm gonna ask about is everyone roll and whoever gets the highest goes first. Okay. On like what we're talking about, because we, right. we are a tabletop podcast. We never really, we never really play games. And I will say, like a fifteen. I'm. I rolled yeah. my first set of dice that went with the Ooh. character. So I rolled a twelve. So I'm not going first. I got fifteen. I got a twenty-three. How did I beat you? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> How did we all roll so low? That's <laughs> uh, just. It's a bad day for rolling. Listen, we're just getting the that's bad rolls funny. out for when we go onto a show, so we get the good rolls in. Yeah. See, that's funny though because in the game I was playing yesterday, I wanted low numbers, so that would have been great. <laughs> yeah, I was tempted to go with low numbers now, just because everyone always goes with high numbers, and mm-hmm. like low numbers feel underappreciated. I think that's a D twenty game where like you're not rolling to hit a twenty; you're actually rolling to hit a one or go lo- yeah or like go below it's par- ten. It's paranoia. Uh, oh. Paranoia, I think, also into the odd has a similar mechanic. Yeah, that sounds familiar. And then rolling low with a D one hundred would be like Call of Cthulhu. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, t- tell me about tell me about Destiny. Yeah. So I got back into Destiny, and uh, I am I don't know what I'm doing anymore. There's too much story, a lot of quests going around, and I'm just kind of running around trying to get items. There's a whole new crafting system I didn't know about. What? They have crafting where, like, if you... It's only for weapons. It's only for weapons. Ingrams? Yeah, not Ingrams. I don't know what Ingrams are. It's, like, patterns and uh, whatever the other thing is, but apparently if you get a certain gun uh, and you keep using it, you can achieve, like, little mini quests for it, and then you unlock a pattern, and then you can go back to a place and you can make it, and you can customize it more, like, give it its own design or something like that. I th- I did that for the first one outside of, like, the very base one they give you for the dlc and it felt weird i was like okay i want to find the cool shit not make the cool shit 
So just to defend the crafting system real quick, um, because as we were talking, as we were talking pre-show, I have like a thousand hours in Destiny. <laughs> um, yeah, didn't you say two thousand? Uh, maybe across both games. Okay, I that seems like a lot. Destiny one on Steam, I have or Destiny two on Steam, I have a thousand hours. I don't know how much right. it is on with my console time, but uh, I like it for guns that you're going for very specific builds because it kind of can give you a long-term build but Mm. um yeah kind of their their design philosophy going into that it makes no sense when up until that point it was a loot and shoot game yeah Mm -hmm. so give or take you gotta loot the crafting materials yeah yeah that's loot kind (laughs) of kind of you get kills with the gun to get material to make the gun. Yeah. Just like in real life. That's how I do it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I I will say, when I first played Destiny, I think this was back in like 2018, 2019, Destiny 2, I mm. very much loved like playing it. I did like the loot and shoot aspect of it. And I loved using the hand cannons and the revolvers. Mm. Those felt so satisfying to use. I think I did, too. I did it again. And they still feel very satisfying to use. I love just snap shooting onto someone's head and just taking them out and moving on with my life. It feels so goddamn good. So so what brought you back into it? Isn't there like a new expansion or something? Uh, there is that new expansion. Uh, it seems it's a plunder right now, but it's going into Lightfall. If I remember right, Brandon, mm. you can correct me on yep. this because you know way more than I do. But um, Oh, that's the, there was a good trailer about it. It's mm-hmm. like had like color. Oh, God, such. yeah. Yeah, we're, go- we're getting c- cyberpunk, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah, Keanu Reeves. <laughs> yes. God damn it. <laughs> You're beautiful. Uh, <laughs> You're beautiful. <laughs> what was the line though? I think that was it. Yeah. But um I wanted to get back into Destiny 2 a little bit because uh I had that DLC hyped up to me a bit and I was like, okay, this sounds cool, this sounds fun. I might get into it. But it also goes into some of the games I want to be playing uh in the future that I've been reading more and more about and like trying to use as a touchstone, which is going to be more part yeah. of the Forge in the Dark session once we get back into. If you listen to me talk yeah. about in the past episodes, you know I'm talking about The Brightest Things We Know by Where Gazelle. Yeah. Mm. Which is a really cool game. It's such a cool game. I should have read it in preparation for this podcast, but it's been a busy Don't week. worry, I got you. Two weeks. Yeah. You always do. Um, oh, yeah. A quick question about, about Destiny. Who is your character? Like, yes. Do you have like a special attachment to your character, or is it just like, oh, that's my robot? So, like, your character what is one of three classes, like Hunter, Warlock, Titan. Yep. But basically, they're supposed to be someone who lived a life long ago and was brought into this bright era uh, by your guardian. No, not by your guardian, by your- Your uh, ghost. Ghost. Your parent. Yes, by your parent. You're the guardian, right? That's what you yeah. are? Yeah, you are the guardian. Hello, guardians. Mm-hmm. That's the classic line. Yes. Actually, it is. Believe it or not. <laughs> uh, oh God, what's his name? He he's the uh, Titan leader. Zavala. Zavala. Uh, Zavala. Yeah. Zavala. How do I know this? I should. Yeah. I don't even play this damn game. Because Cole's just doing missions to get guns at this point. <laughs> I yeah, this is true. Listen, I have like a light scale of like fourteen hundred something. I looked at yours, Brandon, and saw you were in like the fifteen hundreds. Like, I need to. I need to optimize here. I need to. Fix everything and run it back. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's Lance Reddick, who yes. I recently saw yes. in 
the Resident Evil series, and I'm just like, fuck yeah, that ruled. God. He play he plays uh 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 Albert Wesker. Oh shit! Oh, I love that. That's and great. it's rad. It's an absolutely bonkers show, and I really like it. But let's let's. let's anyway, hold on. One more thing about Lance Reddick. I fucking love him. I loved him in Horizon Zero yeah. Dawn so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was really good in that. Oh god, I didn't, I didn't think. I think he was also in The Wire. He was in The Wire. I've I've yep. seen like clips from The Wire. I was like had a phase where I just like watch YouTube clips of like random scenes in The Wire throughout mm-hmm. all the seasons. But I got I got to see some more Lance Reddick. Check check out the 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 Resident Evil series. That's really really fun. Didn't they pull mm. that? It's canceled. Yeah, they stopped making it, which is dumb because it rules. Oh, that's so bad. Yeah, Warner Brothers. I think is that the Warner Brothers thing? Uh, no. I think it was probably. I thought Resident Evil was Netflix. It is on Netflix, but it could be being produced by Warner Brothers. Yeah, mm, that's uh, true. Anyways, there was a recent uh, for people in the, in the future. It's, mm. It was a. Warner Brothers did a bunch of things. It was acquired and a bunch of shows got shut down. But yeah. it could just be that's what happened with that. Um, uh, I, I think I'm next, but I quickly want to say that the closest thing I have to 2,000 hours in a game is 177 hours in Elden Ring, which I have stopped playing. But I am nowhere near that with any games I have ever played. I don't play 2,000 hours of things. You said 177? Yeah. I need to go get 40 more. Got it. <laughs> yeah i'm not finished i'm just i'm just finished with that game um but yeah my my inspiration which is which is i think i think less interesting but i'm i'm i've been enjoying it more is doing layouts for things on google docs that's my 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 out of left left um corner field out left, left field, field field yeah. field that's the one i don't yeah. know how to do words uh is, is basically just doing layouts because like one of the things i've been doing the last uh week is that like i've been like sharing like old projects like i think scamper talked about like uh i think trying to work on fallouts and so it's just like oh yeah i did like a fallout for like a star wars game and so i like shared a bunch of things and then i was like well this game was actually pretty good. I shouldn't have abandoned that. And so I went back and I'm like, it looks so ugly. And so I spent like way too much time just like adjusting them, the, the margins, getting the headings looking good, changing the page color and like finding a font that looks nice. And it just, it's when I was younger, as I, as I have in my notes, uh, is that like the thing I was told in like school is that like, oh, people who just spend all the time like messing with the margins don't get the work done whatever but it's just like it feels good to just look at the thing like ah yes this is what it will look like when it's finished even if it's like i have i've barely written anything for this i'm just like i can see this i can see this as a finished project Mm -hmm. and it's 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 fun to mess around with and it's just something i like particularly enjoy like i really like like i i do like game design occasionally and i'm just like i want to make a good ui and so i look at like other games who've, who has really like, really nice ui and i'm just like how do i make a menu like that how do i make a dishonored menu and um yeah and it's just so much fun and i'm just like it's a, it's a small thing it's not like a piece of media except if you count google docs which i don't think is a very good document for this kind of thing it works it's readily available it's the new microsoft word i guess mm-hmm. but um yeah, it's I'm shout outs shout outs to to doing layouts on things. I have a lot of fun. I also recently released a project which I'll talk about later called um The Night of the Scarecrow, 
which which has like a fun uh itch page and i had so much fun just like messing around with mm-hmm. fonts and making a cool little like cover for it that looks like a 1990s uh goosebumps like uh title card in like the opening credits and so i'm just like yeah this looks really good i really like how this all turned out and so i've been inspired by that lately so shout outs to doing layouts <laughs> i i will say mine are me preparing for this podcast i went and yeah. looked at that page and i was like my i need to up my layout game and it's now fun. you're telling now you're telling me you did all this in google docs and i'm just like i oh i know nothing <laughs> no 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 for, for one this is just stuff you just mess around with uh for two just a, i mean i probably shouldn't say this now but like i made this in a day I basically had, like, the Night of the Scarecrow idea, like, in an afternoon. Yeah. Like, there's a current, um, uh, it's, it's a Dawnbreak Jam, mm-hmm. uh, I think Yuri, Yuri Ronell, uh, is running the Harvest Festival Dawnbreak Jam, and I was just like, yeah. I gotta sit down and come up with an idea, and I was just, like, really tired one night, and I'm just like, I'll just brainstorm a couple ideas or whatever, and also, recently I've, I've, I've gotten on, like, medication for anxiety and so my brain works better now and so i just like basically i stayed up too late because it's impacting my sleep a little bit yeah uh, but i did that and then i like uh i wrote like most of the thing it's mostly like tables and so i churned those up and then i uh got up the next day and worked through it and then at the end of the day i like had it in each page and I had a 11 page thing and i just mm-hmm. sort of put it out and i'm just like i've never really been this productive and it's kind of strange but like yeah, it's it's just it's just something I'm having fun messing around with. But yeah, I, I encourage you to like just mess around with like layouts and stuff like that. It's it's yeah. it's a fun way to spend your time. Mm-hmm. Honestly, um, I just realized you said Yuri Rennell, and of course, the same Yuri Rennell who recently had a uh, blue screen giant, uh, bundle to help out with their uh, computer problems. This is this last three episodes have been the, the Yuri Runnell show. It's been it's it's changed from being like the uh, Fathom show <laughs> to the, the Yuri Runnell show. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, they, they've been up to like a bunch of stuff. They're launching a Patreon and stuff like that. But yeah, I should mention they they made a fucking kick ass Fortune of the Dark game, which we'll probably go into later. But it's based off of Riverdale, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Sabrina what? the Teenage Witch, yeah, Glamour of Our Youth. Yeah, they're the designer of Glamour of Our Youth. Oh, I'll, I'll check that out. I will post it in our Discord. I'll have a look. But it is such a fucking cool game. And they are mm. a very cool person. Hey, go follow Yuri Rennell on a Yeah, tra- really beautiful games. If you're looking for like really nice looking like itch pages and stuff like that. Cover mm-hmm. art, like Like they also like the font for for Dawnbreak Jam, like it's such a simple cover. But it's like, I went through Google, it's a Google font, so I was like, I was going to use it for my game, but I'm like, I don't want to do that on, on their own project, and so I picked something else, but <laughs> really good looking games, and really a lot of stuff you can do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's Climber Value Youth. Uh, but yeah, what, what about you, uh, Ryan? Uh So, my other, besides starting a business in the middle of COVID, my other COVID hobby was uh, I picked <laughs> back up uh, Magic the Gathering. And so I typically play the uh, commander or elder dragon Highlander format where you build a hundred card deck and one of those cards is your commander. So you kind of build your deck around whatever that commander is. And for me, the fun of it has been 
building themes around my commander and really it kind of hits that like making a character itch that you get sometimes i know some people have like 50 characters on D&D Beyond. Instead, I just have 50 different ideas for Magic the Gathering decks. Um, yeah. But then along with that, what's been really fun is um, it's inspired a couple different uh, tabletop RPG ideas and even developing my own uh, trading card game. Though mine's going to be more like a one and done than the constantly releasing new sets like Magic does. Yeah. Does... Um, I had no idea that Magic the Gathering even had, like, the idea of characters or something in it. Because, yeah. like, when I played it, I was apparently a wizard. I was, like, eight, and I didn't know really what I was doing. Mm-hmm. But, like, has it has it become, like, full Hearthstone in the intervening so, decades? Uh, probably. I, I actually don't know Hearthstone that well. But uh, at least when I first started playing 20... 20- 13 i think they had started Mm -hmm. developing a couple different stories involving the uh planeswalkers which i guess technically is who you are while playing the game um yeah but there's apparent there are people who are much better at this than me but there's like a whole lore section that dives into the story of each set what's going on who the major characters are uh and i know recently they just announced that someone has been taken over by this alien race and they've been a sleeper agent for who knows how long. So that just got revealed just as an example. But then they really take it in that commander format because it's like you pick this central character and you build your own theme and story around that for your deck. Right. So it's, so it's not like, so the, the character is a card in the deck. Yeah. So it's, um, yeah. So the, so the commander card actually sits outside your deck and you can play it whenever from right. the command zone and yeah. uh, it becomes its own mechanic in the game because you can play it and if it dies instead of going to your graveyard like any other card it goes back to the command zone and you can play it again. Um, okay. And then the other thing is commander is the multiplayer format officially supported by Wizards of the Coast so it has different rules to entice like politics at the table or um doing things like a three versus one match or things of that nature okay which would be great like there was a um a dnd game called dungeon something <laughs> this is a terrible example i can't think of the name of it but it's like it was a it's kind of like a kids card game where you played as like one of like Munchkin. four different adventures or a not not Munchkin. No, it's not Munchkin. It's um shoot, uh, I know what you're talking about. It's one of the card games that I actually own. I don't own very many. I know what you're talking about too. Um I think if you just do Dungeons and Dragons card game well, let's see, but then you might get you're gonna get the you're gonna get the Magic the no, Gathering set. Oh. Dungeon Mayhem. Dungeon Mayhem. Oh, I own this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So I really like that game because it's like it's a very quick game, and you have like four different like you can have up to four different players plus mm-hmm. any expansions you get, and it's it was really fun because you just uh you know pick who your target is and whoever yeah. seems the most weakest or the most strong. Uh, you attack them, then they become the thing switches up. 
And yeah, I really liked that game. And so it was really interesting to see something like Magic, which is like I used to play in little tournaments mm-hmm. and I was very bad at it. Um, seeing it sort of change up. Actually, a a board game you would probably enjoy that's kind of in the same vein as Dungeon Mayhem would be Red Dragon Inn because you uh, pick your character and that character has a specific deck associated with it. But it's the idea that you're all adventurers coming back from your last quest and Mm. you decide to spend all your hard-earned cash on uh, booze and gambling, you know, like any adventurer in early editions of D&D. And... Your goal is to uh, drink your friends under the table or swindle them out of all their money. And so they can't pay their bar tab. That's very fun. Uh, it's, actually, <laughs> it's actually my favorite board game. Cole, if you get to visit in a couple months, we're playing it. Oh, um, good. Hell yeah. Yeah. Let's see what the board looks like. I need you to meet one of my friends, Brandon, because uh, mm-hmm. you and him would get along great because you both have like very very uh similar taste for board games i think because he has like the red dragon in and all the expansions that go with it i don't have all of them yet (laughs) he is very meticulous and like gathering expansions well if you want to get him yeah i know where to go (laughs) yeah yeah i'll give you the key to his apartment you can just break it (laughs) yeah great plan let's discuss this live on a recorded podcast (laughs) we've discussed discussed crimes before i'm gonna set up this episode and be like hey don't pay attention to this part about breaking into your apartment and grabbing all your board games yeah um but yeah that's what i've been really enjoying and it's really influenced uh my tabletop design lately as well magic seems like a good game people have been talking about it for, for decades yeah so makes sense um Man. Cole, tell me about forms. You've you yeah, found what? you have a late submission? Le- yeah, minute. no, I forgot to put this in, but um one of the shows I've been working on, apparently we need to keep coming up with segments and in order to do those segments we need community members to send us clips. And they've been like, Yeah, yeah so we need someone to make a form. Hey Cole, can you take care of this? And I was like, Yeah. <laughs> it's better than doing my day job. Like Google Forms? Like Google Forms. I like them. I want, I've been I've been filling out a bunch of them lately, just to like you know apply for random like shows. And I like. I wish they sent you an email saying what you signed or whatever. Like that would be useful. But like, some of them do. Some of them do. Some of them do. Not the ones I've been using. I have to like remember what I say because I'm like pitching character ideas and just being like, "Let this is what I do." So if I get accepted yeah. for them, I'm just like, I don't know what I wrote two months ago. Who knows? I um, that's that's why whenever I make one, I let people have like view your submission status or it's yeah. some option that they have to activate uh, because, yeah, I did a can I did an adventure pitch and I had to have the person who accepted it send it to me so I could remember what I wrote three months prior. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. There, sometimes they do that, but sometimes the, the the screen just refreshes and it goes away. And I'm like, oh, yeah. It, that's definitely the hard part about, like, the submission forms. It's just, like, trying to remember the, everything. But, you know, it is yeah. what it is. Um, I got into the habit of, like, anytime I apply to a show and I, I need to have a character pitch, I will immediately set up a spreadsheet, say what the show is, who I'm working with, what the system I think it is, if they don't say it, and mm-hmm. then just tag my character pitch in there so i can go oh yeah i had that idea like five months ago i 
no idea how I'm going to play that character anymore. Because I was riding yeah. on a high at that point. I don't point. care about any of these things anymore. Yeah. I'm a different person now. Oh, we're playing Power by the Apocalypse? <sighs> I was really hoping we could do something like Forge in the Dark or like a D20 system. I would never actually say that I do like Powered by the Apocalypse. I just It's just really rough to run them. Yeah, it is. And we'll get we'll get into that. I feel like yeah. I have a lot of power by the apocalypse thoughts when it comes to to Force the Dark. Mm-hmm. All right, so new segment: tabletop games we've been checking out. Everyone, grab their dice. We're gonna we're yeah. gonna go and get. Whoop, we're gonna try again. Let's try and get above a twenty. <laughs> hey, I did. I got seventy three. I got fifty nine. Let's see. You disappoint me. That's okay. Also fifty nine. Whoa! Roll oh, off. We'll roll off. Roll off. Or you better get 69. I got 88. Fuck. 83, you win. Whoa! <laughs> we're close. Uh, so so it's Cole, me, and Brandon. Yes. Which I think is the exact same order of the last segment. No, no. No, it was, it was Cole. Well, no, you're uh, right. It was yeah. the exact same order. It's the exact oh, well. same order. <laughs> Fate has decided. <laughs> But we came back to you, Cole, so it's that fine. changes things. It's fine. I like it. So, Cole, what tabletop RPGs have you been checking out late lately? Too goddamn many. But the big yeah. one at the moment has uh, that caught my eye was Last Sentinels by James Price, which is- Jason. Jason Price, sorry. Hopefully this is right. This is your notes, so it could be wrong. <laughs> We're correcting you on your own notes. <laughs> Jason Price. There we go. I, there we go. And it's interesting. It's a GMless storytelling tabletop role playing game that's based very much on like Mobile Suit Gundam, Neon Genesis Evangelion, um, uh, uh, Polaris, which is really interesting. It is mm-hmm. a game about a rookie pilot who has one of the most powerful uh, mechs in the galaxy protecting a ship that has escaped a besieged planet. And defending against their odds, and no matter what happens in the end, your pilot is doomed. The hope, like that hope's going to get crushed. And what kind of caught my eye is it's a game about key phrases in a very similar way of Firebrand's games, but uh, yeah. a bit more negotiations on the table, and everyone has like one role to play in the game. It's really interesting. Um. What are what are key phrases? So some of the key phrases here. Let me pull those. Uh, like the key phrases are basically things to signal the start or the end of the scene or an action you want to do. So mm-hmm. there are ritual key phrases. So if I wanted to start a game and I had my friends and I'm like, okay, I'll be the hope, you be the heart, you be the mind, you be the uh, uh, doom, which is all the roles you get to play. And yeah. you have, like, different associations with that. But you'll start the game by saying, The people of Argor 5 have been cast into the stars, pursued by the vengeful forces of the new alliance. But Hope's name and Sentinel's name, uh, whatever your character is, still offered them hope. This is their story. And then when the game is ended, and so the hope of ship's name turned to despair as the people mourn the last Sentinel of Augur 5. Like, no matter what, to end the game, it has to be really depressing, mm. which is kind of interesting. But also, I like a lot of the ideas behind this game. Uh, I like the key phrases. I like that it's all really dialogue-based. But you can also make roles in this game. I was reading about that earlier. They're called strain roles. 
And what strain rolls are is, let me pull up the page for that. So, like, strain rolls are basically a uh, thing you can do with your assets. You get, like, different assets to use on different conditions. And I'm, like, trying to find the terms. There we go. When to make a strain roll, they are triggered during scenes, but are rolled during downtime between scenes. Two events lead to the strain roll. The hope has acted without courage, honesty, compassion, or self-control. The heart judges when this has happened, even if it was negotiating to the story about the despair. The heart needs to call this out and keep track during the scene. Or the hope or the despair can use the only fate can decide a key phrase that triggers a roll-off. If it's a tie or the hope loses the roll-off, they must make a strain roll. And, like, the strain rolls are basically there to uh, make it more stressful for the hope. Like, you are going to be in a losing situation no matter what, and, like, adds on to the Doom Tracker, which is also sad. This game's very sad. Yeah. It is good. I think, like, we talked about it, like, on in, in Discord chat, mm-hmm. which is, um, I don't know. Like, I, I really like, I find that I really like sort of sad games like this. I like, yeah. like, one of my favorite games is another mech game about sadness where you're, like, two kids playing mech Pokemon and you're playing tic-tac-toe. And for me, the aim of my game was always to lose because it's much more interesting that way. Kind of like forcing the other player to like take you out and well not take you out but like beat you in a in a mech contest, which means that you are defeated. And that kind of thing is just like so much fun. It's like in a lot of games you play to to win and do what you're trying to set out to do, but it's sort of like interesting to come at uh, approach a game and just be like, I want to have a thing where I fail. I want to have a thing where like it's doomed, and all I can do is like do what I can before it all caves in or like dust to midnight being another example of that where like it's really hard to get a good outcome in that game because either you're disillusioned or you get you get destroyed finding a war what's it, dust of midnight it's riley rethel riley rethel yeah that was from a uh, road to partisan for friends at the table it's like a d6 based game and you have destiny tracks the entire time about marking resolve and marking disillusionment disillusionment yeah i think i'm saying that word right i might be just botching it i might just be showing that i'm bad at english language language is a flexible thing language is a fuck yeah but yeah no i like last sentinels is a very sad game but it's interesting i think it has a Mm. lot of really cool ideas behind it i think it's really interesting uh and how it works the themes of like knowing you are playing a character who is going to be betrayed or betray a entire ship of people and like what pushes them to do that i think that's always interesting um i think my one thing i would like to see in this game is i would like it to be a little bit like downfall where you rotate the roles so everyone gets a chance to play the hope everyone gets a chance to play the heart and the mind and the doom yeah because mm-hmm. i th- i think that kind of takes off the pressure of being the antagonist the entire time or being the person who calls out and kind of gets everyone a bit more accountable and more invested in the story Instead of just like mm. trying to protect the one character they like, that's true. Mm-hmm. I also uh, with this game, I want to shout out uh, Torben uh, Borkemeyer, who did the art. Which like I'm looking at it, it looks really good. It's kind of um... my instinct is to say it's kind of like Lancer, 
I know that that's like it's it's a mech game or whatever, but mm. it's got like very cool art. It's 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 very colorful. It's got good mechs, and I really like the look of it. It's got like a lot of sharp edges. Like it looks, the cover of it makes the Sentinel look like it is a machine of war and destruction. And I think that's a yeah. very good thing to convey in this game. And yeah. you know, Lancer is a game about a whole bunch of mechs that do war and violence and destruction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's also like on the itch page. There's like a, a a little guy in a red suit, and they're like the how they're just like so completely different to this machine of war, and it's it's a nice little little contrast between the two. Just a, just just a little, little guy. Little, little guy. <laughs> I really love uh on the cover page. There's this one guy who's standing on a part of the mech, and he's just like standing there, just going, "Yep, just looking at this missile pod." Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, I see him. He's got a, he's got his hands on his hips, and he's like, "Yeah, this is real. This is real cool Sentinel." Yeah. Glad I'm <laughs> up here. Wow, yeah. cool robot. I always want to make sure to show the art in, in any game because it's just mm-hmm. it's very fun. It's just it's so well, good. Um, it's, it's very cool. Um. All right. Uh. Who was next? Was it me? Did I get? Did yes. I get, did you I win were the next. Yes, you were the next. You were next. Yes. All right. Let me tell you about LARPs. Uh, so we got an email this this fortnight uh, from my friend Halcyon, um, who said the following thing. I'll read it out. Because um, we usually have a thing where uh, at the end of every podcast, we just like send us an email if you recommend any, any interesting games. And uh, Halcyon, who is a, a, um, a friend of mine who I played a Blaze and Dark campaign with, actually, um and a bunch of other games we've been in a group for a while Halcyon's cool and uh, he said hey there's an amazing lot called wilt by mads jons frausig and uh karita uh jakobsen meland uh you know if you want to explore the concept of playing out mundane relationships things and sends a link which I'll have in the show notes, and said, and in a broader sense, there's a lot of writing in the Nordic LARP community about using LARPs for education and therapy. Of course, I can't find anything at this particular time, but I trust your ability to search in case you want to delve into that world. And 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 signs at the modern Diomedes against Hal- Halsiege. I'm sorry, I don't know how to pronounce the last... I just call you Halcyon. Um But... Uh, yeah, so so basically, uh, sent in this game in response to Broken, I think, which is a game we talked about last time, which is about another tragedy of a failed romance um, and about breaking objects. And so I read through Wilt, and it's one of those things that it's, it's it's I feel like it's it's like it's like my first time playing Magic, or it's like my first time like watching like a movie when I was a kid. And just like anything that happens, I'm just like, whoa, what's happening with this? Because like the LARP is like a non-verbal LARP and it's purely emotional. And you say like, you say like, uh, like you say, I'm breaking up with you and you say, I love you. And those are the two words you say. And the rest of it is entirely emotional as, as you go through like this guided meditation through the stages of grief and breakup. And you have all these like you're leaning your head against someone you're like you're like i think one of the warm-up activities is you like lie in bed with a with a like you lie down right next to a person just like see how you feel waking up in the morning next to them 
and it's it's so interesting and it's so like like wild to read through it i actually like reading through it i'm like i like teared up at a few bits because it was like i was it was recommended like listen to certain tracks like uh one is the lonely and loneliest number from uh three dog days or something um and so i was like i've i listened to that thing i think it was like on the uh umbrella academy which i watched at one point and um just like listen to that as the thing was going through and i just loved it it was it's 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 freely available online so if you wanted to sit down and like read through it um it was it was it was amazing it was like one of those things i like read through it i'm like this is so fascinating and so different to all these other things like mostly like with with like uh the the safety things in in play like how they just like they have very distinct like transitions between like who you are in like your everyday life and then playing this character and like having moments to sort of like ease into it like introduce yourself at the start of the game say who you are what you expect from the LARP and then sort of go into this character and then get lined up with a partner and then like build up this character with this one and at the end of the game they're just like okay and now we're easing back into the real world um and we we like talk about our feelings we go with like we don't go to the person we were like a partner with because like the the game is about a breakup and so you just like you speak with just another stranger and talk about your experiences there and then you go back to the partner and then like talk through things and like ease out and there's like it specifically says that like 40 minutes of just like sitting down and like like getting out of that thing like coming back to the real world and it's just like such an interesting thing uh particularly since like i've seen in so many like rpgs that i've played is that like a lot of the time it's very rushed and so you like i have time to just play this game like if we're mm-hmm. lucky we can probably go through like lines and veils before playing but like have this like really nice ritual to it is um something i'm really intrigued by i've actually like talked with halcyon because like halcyon um uh writes LARPs, i think like mm-hmm. uh, he recently published uh blip which is a game about uh survivors in like uh, failing escape plot uh pods sort of like falling into the atmosphere and like i was just like on a discord call just like talking through that and talking through like what LARPs are and it's this whole this whole aspect like i really like bring it up now because it's just like there's so much wild stuff out there um that i'm i really recommend just checking out a lot of them are available for free and just like have a read for those kind of things and it's just like it's a really fun like i don't know if it's technically tabletop but i'm like i don't know what a tabletop is i don't know what that how do you like define like what is and what isn't and i think there's like a lot we could really learn from like LARPs. the table is just outside that's all it is yeah we're inside the table now yeah and so so i wanted to quickly shout out uh wilt mm-hmm. um and yeah have a read through it it's it's it'll be in the show notes and it's very short it's not like too long i think it's like a total of maybe 20 pages or so mm-hmm. um and yeah i really enjoyed just reading through that i think like if you have the ability to run a game like this it would be extremely interesting and probably like you know a thing to prepare for and a thing to like sort of ease into like i like as i understand of it like this is written by like psychologists or something um Dang. who uh who like study this kind of things mm-hmm. um uh, a licensed therapist that's uh oh, okay. Car- Carita. um 
and yeah and so that's really fun it's available on the stockholm scenario web uh, festival website uh yeah that's awesome i really appreciate the moment you said 40 minutes of like disconnecting from the game i went now that's a good decompress i always look for that it's always nice when something like immediately calls that out in a game and is like this game's very stressful kind of like some of the games we're about to talk about you may want to take a Mm. break after this yeah like i think like one of my my favorite experiences of that kind of thing in tabletop was actually playing with cole um i think the first time we played fathom we had like a, a moment, like a decompression session afterwards and just like talked about what we felt about the game, what we like liked about it, what we did like. Mm. And that was like really helpful for when we kind of came into talking about it on the podcast. And like, yeah, I think that's really valuable to have like a thing at the, the start to sort of like go through stuff. Like we had a nice like form we filled out um, for playing that. Um, yeah. Shout outs, shout outs to good safety, <laughs> safety yeah, things. Good, good safety tools. Use them at your table. Yeah. Shout out to good table chemistry as well. Like, yeah, has a good group. Being able to do that with people, because like, even if you're really good friends with those people, sometimes it, mm. you can, it can still like kind of backfire if you don't use those safety tools and mm. you can have just like a lot of pressure even among good friends, but being able to like step yeah. back and be like, Hey, how do we feel about that? That's huge. Yeah um so yeah so let's let's uh from from safety tools to uh to digimon <laughs> yeah so uh we've we've had two sad games um so let's <laughs> let's talk about uh having a uh personal companion at your table with animon story by zach borrow i believe it's borrow but so, someone someone in the comments will correct me um yeah. but it's a <laughs> we didn't have comments oh even better uh it's a tabletop rpg inspired by like kid and monster media uh the two major ones being digimon and pokemon and i like it because it's definitely got powered by the apocalypse or forced in the dark vibes there's a little bit of both in it but it is very much its own game and I love the idea of giving players essentially two characters to run because they're running the kid and then they're running their Animon. The thing being the Animon yeah. is typically the GM from a role-playing perspective. So that way you can have those conversations that you see in those shows like um, Ty talking to Agumon in the first season of Digimon. There's a lot of back and forth there. And so mm. that gives the GM an easy opportunity to do character development with each of these players by having the Animon interact with the kid. Um, Meanwhile, they get kind of two things they can work on uh, when in scenarios or combat, whatever that may be. And then the main goal is to build a bond with your Animon so then you can evolve it into its later stages, uh, much in the same way the Digimon show does. So, yeah. Overall, uh, the the PDF for this game is out. I'm waiting on the um, physicals material to come in. But overall, it really captures the uh, vibes of playing like a Digimon video game or watching the anime. And it does a really good job of presenting that in a way that's easily digestible and then really capturing that 
90s, early 2000s art style, but updating it for a new age. So it's very, like, simple colors, cute animal things. I know there's, like, an, an ocelot in a, a Lancelot outfit, um, for example. And so it's really cute. I can't wait to... I haven't gotten to play it yet, but I can't wait to, like, dive into it and get a group together because I think they'll really enjoy the creation process that it has because first you develop the kid and then based off your kid, you start developing your animon. So you immediately make the connection between those two characters and um, can really build that into the story. I'm looking at the art and like, you could just convince me that any of these are Pokemon. You could just right? like, point out this thing and mm-hmm. just be like, this is a Digimon. I'm like, yeah, sure. That works. It's got like a, it's got a, a snake shark. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, a little pig just flying around. You gotta. Oh, I love the pig. There's a little pig. I love the and light then... bulb fox. Yeah, the light bulb fox is cute. And then you get. Uh, I'm looking through the PDF now, and they give an example of the little the fire dog one. They mm. give all the evolutions for it, and it turns into a black, red, and yellow Cerberus spirit wolf (laughs) as like its final form and i'm just like i i need this in my life um amazing there's that's so cool um excalamander is a salamander king with a sword (laughs) just to add on to that uh but yeah it's a i want to see these images can i I, yeah i have to buy the game don't i I want to see this you, there's a play kit. I will. There's Hold a play on. kit, and I can also share some screenshots because they're so. Show cute. me some screenshots. Mm-hmm. I just want to see cute animals. I'm seeing a little deer with wings, and it's pink. Here's here's one of the ones I was talking about. Um, oh, Excalamander or Lancelot? Oh, look at the little guy. It's extremely cute. Let me get Excalamander. Um, here is Excalamander, and then I'm trying to see. Uh, oh, Excalamander's little dopey. I like him. <laughs> instead of Cerberus, it's Cerberurn. So, like, burning Cerberus. That's cool. That's the, the Huntsman's Hydra, the sci fi, this horror. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, That's great. Yeah, it looks like there's like a free play kit available. Mm hmm. Yeah, there's, um, a, there's a free play kit uh, PDF. The PDF is available on Zach's itch.io page. And mm-hmm. then I believe uh, physical copies are on pre-order right now. So Yeah, it looks really cool. I'm really excited. I'm, uh, I'm hoping as part of the couple games I'm planning for next year, I can get an Animon table together and Fuck yeah. uh, play through this because I would have a ton of fun. It just looks so cute. It's right? so adorable. And it's got, like, the kids have playbooks. So there's, like, the gamer playbook or the rising star. <laughs> and it helps you pick uh, your your talents. And then you actually build out, depending on what the other players at your table are, you get a relationship with them. Much in the way, I think Powered by the Apocalypse does that, where it's like... If you have uh, the newbie and the mentor, they have a relationship. I'm thinking Monster of the Week specifically. 
So this one's like, if you have the rising star and the bookworm, it's you want to be friends with them, but others tell you they're not cool enough. Yeah. I didn't think, because if I remember Monster of the Week, it is the, like, you ask a question about, like, any other character. I don't think this like, specific class is linked. Yeah. I think that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. So in this case, it's like an actual statement um, that they give you. That's cool. Yeah, it's, I want to say it's it's very interesting because, like, with every game that has art, I'm always just like, I want to check out the cool art. But I never really have an experience like I'm having with this one where I'm like, show me the cute animal. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see Scalamanta <laughs> and stuff like that, which is like a really fun thing. I'm seeing like a bunch of them on the, the uh, what is it? The uh, quick build uh, pre-gen characters mm-hmm. where they just have like, there's, there's a, a pig or a boar made out of, plant stuff yep there's a legally distinct pikachu there's like (laughs) an owl fox with one eye Mm -hmm. it looks really good it looks like a really cool little game it it looks super cute and then uh actually i i hadn't made it to the section on my own read through but like in their change the game section they also added in Mm -hmm. like um catching animon so you could do more of the pokemon thing um yeah and then like the fusion evolutions from digimon where either two two of these creatures or like yourself and your creature combine and then finally they added in a trading card game um of course and that is the only the only optional rule that takes up two pages so yeah out of that's cool seven of these um so yeah, there's a bunch of cool stuff with it. I can't wait to play around with it and then uh, see what kind of ridiculous Animon people come up with. I would love to see this played. This would just be so much fun. Soon, TM. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I want to quickly shout out like one of the things that might lead us on to, to Forge the Dark is that like on the Roll Plus Bond Discord, one of the one of the things that uh, is like a kind of recurring discussion is the idea of a Forge the Dark Pokemon game, where like your character is the Pokemon trainer, and your stats are the Pokemon. Ooh. And I love that idea. I don't know like where this came from. I don't know because I've also been like noodling around with this idea and like trying to make that kind of thing work for mechs but the idea of like instead of rolling plus you know um like bargain or like the other stats command or whatever you're rolling plus pikachu or you're rolling plus like uh, charizard and you have like elemental powers and like the Mm -hmm. higher level they have the more dice they add and i don't know i've heard that idea and it's been stuck in my head for just ages and just the idea of like approaching a power by the apocalypse game where like all of your tools are like the pokemon you've been messing around with mm. which is it's kind of fun i think like another idea i had with that was was like i don't know how much of this is my idea and how much of i've read it from the thing but like there was like ideas about how like how a pokemon would fit into regular society and how like you know like would you have pikachu like powering a generator would you have squirtle giving people water in like in like times of drought like how would they interact with the world at large rather than just like going around fighting all the time yeah like that's a game i would like to see i don't think i don't think it it might exist out there if people know this game do send us an email uh inside the table at gmail.com but yeah 
You don't see you don't see it too much outside of certain quests, but I will point out Pokemon Legends Arceus on the Switch. Um mm-hmm. because it does it goes back to like a older um older generation like feudal Japan style Pokemon. And yeah. I think it does a good job of showing a lot of that integration, especially as this community first starts interacting with Pokemon outside of just treating them as these monsters. Um, So you start seeing it more. So we have like the beginning when they're kind of figuring out, oh, these things aren't as scary as we thought into the modern age where we don't see what's actually happening in the background because we're too busy fighting. Yeah. I saw, I saw bits and pieces from like trailers and stuff like that. And it looks really good. I've never really played a Pokemon game. It's really my, my other thing. I just avoided that part of things. Never really owned like a Nintendo or anything like that. Um, but yeah, I've heard people like talk about like uh, Arceus, Arceus. No one knows. It's written down. Tomato, tomato, Arceus, Arceus. 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 What's another way of saying it? Arceus? Cole, have you ever messed around with Arceus? Ar- 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 I know. I have not been able to play Arceus. I don't think I had the patience for it, honestly. Okay. But it was a. Yeah, uh, you do a Nuzlocke. And yet I do a Nuzlocke, yeah. You do- oh, yeah, you do. What, what's the difference there? How do you justify this for yourself? Um, I stopped doing the Nuzlocke. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's why. Okay, that makes sense. Um, well, there can be no easier transition between <laughs> between one thing and another than the one that I'm about to do now. Hey everybody, it's the Forge of the Dark segment. Uh, to start off with, I want to just say that... Why did I start off like that? I, was I don't know. I was going to an easy question. I was like, I want to say, what do I want to say? I didn't have anything to say. Well, hey like, everybody. Yeah? <laughs> how, how, how did y'all get into Blades in the Dark? Because I've already said why I got into Blades in the Dark. Or Forge of the you? Dark in general. Tell us again. Well, you see, Brandon's heard this one. I got into Blades in the Dark because of a uh, podcast called Friends at the Table when they did mm-hmm. a preseason, thir- like a mid-season. It was a season. It was a, its own season that's outside the season counter. Yeah. But it's a season called Marietta where they played Blades in the Dark in like its earlier iteration. Where, mm-hmm. uh, And I point this out to Brandon during an interview, but... um. We uh ooh, ooh, is this behind the scenes knowledge from your your uh, recent co- Kofi and and Patreon exclusive interview for your postseason? Yeah, for Fire in the Dark. But um, <laughs> what I pointed out was like, yeah, in the old version of Blades in the Dark, uh, the stress resistance rolls, it wasn't roll six, roll a die, and then six minus whatever you roll. It used to be you roll a dice and you get whatever was on that dice for your stress. Yeah, and it was brutal back then, but uh, the entire system caught my interest because it was like really fun, it was really entertaining, and you know I picked up the game in like 2019. That was like after it been posted, and so I got to play it a few times. I played a slide, which was great. Loved the cane sword. Loved the dramatic reveals you can pull. It was great, mm. and yeah, that's how I got introduced into Blades in the Dark, and from there I kind of went down a down a rabbit hole into Scum and Villainy, Bl- uh, Beam Saber, a whole bunch of other Forge in the Dark games now, too. 
Like, it just kind of grew. Uh, what about y'all? Brandon, uh, do you have any dice yeah. on you? Yes. Well, let's have a roll for to see who describes the... <laughs> what is the right. dark thing next? D100? This wasn't... Yeah. I got 38. Uh, I'll go first. What? What'd you get? A 31. But you've got... But you've beaten me every time. I've gone first all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, 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 I'll let you go. <laughs> Yeah. We're just doing the same order again and again. <laughs> no, we're breaking it. It's the dice. Cole, it's the dice. Cole, now me. Perfect. Okay. Uh, my introduction. That's so weird. My introduction to Fortune of the Dark uh, was late. I, I want to. It was actually mid 2020. I almost said 2019, but it, it was after really? I, had, I had moved once. Um, I'm not nearly as experienced as Cole when it comes to like all of Blades in the Dark, but I played through an entire Blades in the Dark campaign with uh, a few a few other uh, streamers, Commander Pulsar, Jamie Wolf, Punkle Nix, and then pronouns in my bio. Uh, and mm. that was my first experience with Blades in the Dark. It basically got pitched to me as, hey, it's, it's Dishonored as a tabletop game. And I was in. Yeah. Um, because that is one of my all-time favorite games. I don't have my camera mm-hmm. on for my lovely host here, but I have a nice little Dishonored shrine behind me that I know Cole has seen. Mm-hmm. Um, whoa, whoa, whoa! Like an outsider shrine? Well, not an outsider shrine, but it's like uh. it's. Well, I don't have the stuff printed for that yet. Um, I'm yeah. working on it, but I've got Corvo's mask, Emily's ring, an outsider yeah. Funko Pop, and then like a Corvo art piece. Um, <laughs> I love the fun great part of the game. That yeah, great. I, I'm getting like bits and pieces put together. Um, part of my next project is to 3D print a um, one of the whale charms, whalebone charms. Mm, yeah. So I love those so much. I was I am a huge fan of Dishonored. So when I was told about Blades in the Dark, I was so in, and I built a leech named Wick, uh, who made an appearance in Fire in the Dark. Uh, which we'll talk about in a bit, but it was eye-opening to me because it was my first time playing a system where it was more about dice pools and figuring out how you can optimize your moves, but then also it's very fiction first. Um, And then from there, I haven't played as many Forge in the Dark hacks, but I've read a lot of them, much like... Cole, so Scum and Villainy, Beam Saber, uh, there's a cyberpunk one whose name is escaping me, and then uh, and then even starting to develop uh, my own from there. Like, right now I'm working on one that's uh, Dungeons and Dragons themed, because I have a group yeah. that I want to get to try any other tabletop RPG. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's my ongoing battle with my friends. Do you know the name of that um, cyberpunk? I uh, think I do. I think I actually have it saved in my itch so folder. I'm keeping it ascendancy, ascendancy, but that's um, that's sparked by resistance. Yeah. Um. um oh God. Uh, Blades in the dark hacks. Hold hack on. the planet. Hack the planet. Is it hack the planet? So hack the really? planet is the one I was thinking of. There are a couple because there's also um, someone on the community forums is working on one called Neon black and then there's another one i saw an itch but like again names escaping but yeah hack the planet's the one i was thinking of and then there's a a couple other systems that i'm pulling from for like lore for that 
Yeah. I will quickly say one of the things that people have said about this game that I really like is that base game Blades in the Dark is actually cyberpunk because it uses the tools of the oppressors against them and it's like it's about the same kind of themes. It's just an in an industrial fantasy instead. Hold mm-hmm. on. So I always like that read on it. Um I need to find my favorite sentence about Blades in the Dark. You're so this is from page one of the rule book. And it is describing the setting. You are in haunted Victorian era city trapped inside a wall of lightning powered by demon blood. It goes all out. It's all out. (laughs) Sometimes you just got to swing big. So my introduction to to Mm -hmm. Dishonored. Sorry, not Dishonored. It was was through Dishonored. Uh, So I watch a lot of YouTube stuff mm-hmm. from there's like a, a a channel called like outside xbox or outside extra they're like two sister channels and there's like a whole group of different things like Eurogamer, um rock paper shotgun and other these things and for some reason for the past like however many years i've just like had them on and i've just been like kind of like watching whatever like silly little list videos and stuff and at one point or another johnny chiodini a um uh long time uh video presenter uh they were basically talking about a game called called blades in the dark and they said it was essentially a uh really good dishonored game and when i heard that i was like i really like dishonored they better not fuck it up (laughs) and so like i was like reading about it and i was hearing about how much i had ghosted it and so my initial thing was like this isn't like dishonored this isn't quite right this is like a little bit too far away but because I was like on the Role Plus Bond Discord server, and because it was always coming up a lot, I'm like, all right, I'll buy it. And so I bought it, and I read through it, and I'm like, this is too long. And an opinion I still have, but it's also deeply fascinating. Like I've run it like a bunch of times. I think my first time running it was so loose. I think I was just like uh, still figuring out the rules. I listened to Marielda, which is again a huge starting point for me. Like just episode three of the Marielda series if you want to find out what's great about this game listen to episode three and just like get into that and see the drama of anything happening i think in in the first season of Marielda, it could be because the game was still in in progress it could be because they were still getting used to it it's not a really great way of playing the game it could also be because the game is very complicated but like they nailed what is amazing about it in that series and like all the fun little like the positioning the 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 amount of danger in each like role has and stuff like that and yeah when i was playing it i was just like kind of like loosely throwing things together there were a bunch of smugglers they attacked another group etc etc um and then i returned to it like maybe a year after playing that initial thing and did like a full-on campaign with with halcyon and um a friend of mine called uh illy friend of mine called mark and later uh um a friend of mine called Bailey and yeah we we played like one campaign which which we played it and then we were like we don't want to play Blaze the Dark anymore so we tried a different campaign um because again Blaze the Dark is a little complicated but yeah I did like a whole like year-long campaign just playing that and I really like it it's like it's a it occupies a different place in my brain to Dishonored mm-hmm. but it's still something that that I have extreme extremely high affection for um yeah that's how i basically got introduced to blades in the dark 
and broadly forge in the dark games so yeah so is there uh is there like what systems do 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 people have an idea what what we should go to next i was gonna ask like what systems were we really interested in uh from this thing or but i think uh one of the systems we should talk about it's probably one of the systems that's gotten so much content added onto it and it's just gotten its like final official release until the next update but like it's coming out in physical copies now and mm-hmm. it's a uh, small game by austin ramsey that uh yeah. has a lot of impact and feels very much like battle tech a uh, very mech warrior ish um big robots punching people and dramatic mm. turnouts and i'm talking about beam saber yes beam saber rules it's it's the mechanic stuff it does to shake up the system is incredible like mm-hmm. how bonds happen and how they like give you extra helping dice and stuff like that is incredible it's so good and just like i love the bond system because it's like what is your truth about this other player character what do you think yeah. is true and then at some point mm-hmm. we're gonna test that and see if it's true yeah and like the thing is like you get when you help in the usual game you give like one dice or something oh you can like improve their position but like the amount of bonds you have gives you more options you can help give them one dice give them two dice and improve their position but if there's like what was the thing like if you fail you get more stress i think it's like more stress or you get injured or uh it stresses your bond something like that yeah yeah you like you take more stress to do it which is fun I think um, uh, another fun thing about being Saber 2 is Austin Ramsey like looked at it and said, and happened to be watching Fast and Furious and went, hold on a second. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> I want to read that so badly. And we got Rush Wars. <laughs> we got family now. You're Cole, you're going to have to do it as a one shot for me at some point. I'm going to have to. I want to watch it slash play in it. Let me know. I, I will let you know. Have have you read through it yet? I have not read through Rush Wars. I have to. Uh, I've got yeah. through most of the Beam Saber uh, version. I actually have a uh, setting uh, setting supplement from a uh, Brendan McLeod as well called Solar Divide, which is really fun. Mm-hmm. There is an anarchist furry planet in the solar system. It's great. Um, one of the other planets basically uses all Norse theology, and one of the Mexican run into is straight up Horgmandir. It, <laughs> wait, it wait, 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 wait. Oh. Is that the snake? Yep. Whoa, big snake? Big snake. Uh, hold Whoa. on. <laughs> Let me find the one this would be. It would be... Uh, not the belt. Wait, wait. Is this is this the is this the Rush Wars or is this the standard place? Uh, no, this is Solar Divide. This is a Beam Saber supplement where instead right. of it being okay. wherever Beam Saber is, it is in... Um, it's based in our solar system. We just have like some fucking right. cool motherfucking planet problems in the solar system. Because for a second there, I thought you were saying it was a giant snake car <laughs> in Rush Wars, which I'm just like, whoa. Marley? Mar- fuck. I'm going to do that now. You know that. Yeah, of course. I want to see. I want to see. Uh, I want to see um, Dom Toretto go up against a giant snake god. Like, defeated Zeus, try and defeat the streets. You know. Zeus. Did I just say Zeus? Yeah, you did say Zeus. Whatever. You, you have God of War in your head. The other the other system that I think we really should talk about uh, is one Cole mentioned earlier, which is the brightest things we know. 
because we were talking about Destiny. Why not Forged in the Dark Destiny? Um, sh- I'm posting the uh, playbooks that are in there that are from the most recently updated thing. Uh, Briar Sovereign is a great designer. They currently, hmm. I think, have like three games running in development at the moment. Yep. yep. I know. I know that mood. <laughs> yep. God. I'm excited for them to uh, work more on Armorister Advent. I cannot wait till they go back to this. <laughs> I cannot fucking just wait. Just like, hey, get back to work, bro. <laughs> Briar, if you're listening to our show, I, let me let me say, I love your work. You're absolutely an amazing person and a great, incredible yeah. designer. I love your playbooks and like additions to other systems. Um, please give me more content for the brightest things we know. <laughs> please. please. No. Have a, have, a, have an afternoon off. You've done yeah. a good job. Honestly, yeah, take it easy. Don't don't burn out. But, like, yeah. <laughs> I, I love the concepts behind the playbooks in this game. I love that uh, in the very Destiny-esque idea, your guardians are stars, and there's one of each star uh, for mm. a series of foundry ships. Like, the entire thing is really cool, and it has more hopeful tone in my opinion where like uh, the problems that come up are because the other factions are either jealous of your power or they're trying to get artifacts and your job is to prevent that and there's like a whole yeah. thing about rumors and uh consequences and you can even, and there's even a catastrophe thing and there's so many like cool little notes you can do in this game um there are things you can actively do to in downtime i think uh that's in let's look at the shark real quick also, the playbook the playbook stars are fucking cool. Oh yeah, I'm seeing one. I just like the abilities. There's one called the twins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like their special ability is your own best friend, which is you may assist yourself, and that's really sweet. Even though like this is probably like take stress to do whatever, <laughs> so you just like force yourself to to take stress. But I think that's a really sw- a sweet little bit of writing there. Uh, but what I think is really interesting about this game is the downtime phase. It's actually called the ship phase. And mm-hmm. instead of saying, you know, you have two downtime actions you can take, you actually have hours you can spend. And every action spends like a certain amount of hours. So if I want to heal, uh, I have to spend one to three hours. And for every hour I spend, I get an extra dice. Um, there's cleanse for getting rid of blight. I love that you can't really die in this game. You just get your memories back, which I think is can lead to something really sad and i love the possibility of like connecting more games to this because like how cool would it be to play the brightest things we know and the entire star cluster all gets their memory back and so you jump into scum and villainy Ooh, i i remember reading through the rules for this like i'm i hopefully i'm not mixing this up with a different system but as i understand it you're like you slowly become more and more human that's that's how that works Mm -hmm. you're like and like as you gain your memory back, um, mm-hmm. it also has things like your kind of gods, and so like the harm levels are different. Like yeah. if I remember, there's like you can have it's radiant, glimmering, and then bleak or something like that. Um, yeah, and you can be restored fairly easily. Yeah, uh, you have your brightness. That's what harm is. Your radiant, flickering, or dark. Another really nice touch to this game, I think it's really cool that Briar was able to put this in, is it is a loot and shoot. <laughs> yeah. Straight up. Is there crafting materials? That's yes. all I gotta know. Well, <laughs> when you take stock or something, or when you uh, take down enemies, you get something called all codes. And mm. depending on the level of it, you can roll on different tables to like get a new primary weapon, uh, get a tracking module to roll an alluring groomer. 
uh you can get a glimmering auto which is like you get a bonus to a die or a bonus to a plus one divinity humanity or duality uh you get mm. like these specialty weapons or exotics in this game <laughs> yeah which is so fucking funny to me like the uh what's a good one hold on uh the celestial promise treat scours equal to clash when determining your level uh there was a really f- fucking awesome one that like i went okay i need this in my life cupid's last resort gain a cohort of floating pink sun sprites take plus one d when you <laughs> compel or advocate them into action they're restored during yeah. the ship phase if lost that's really cool it's so cool like i would like this game to be a replacement for the looting games of like D and pathfinder and dungeon world mm. because it gives you a you get that satisfaction of like yes i get all my loot because I'm deciphering codes, and these codes now get to give me cool things. I don't know. Like, as someone who doesn't play Destiny, I don't really see the allure of it. <laughs> it's like, that's not a thing that I'm particularly interested in. Again, that's my own perspective. It's not like discounting what you, how you feel, but I don't know. <laughs> I, I would need to play it because, like, I, I think part of, the, part of the joy out of that is I, I feel like I get a little more say in what I want. Or what I'm gonna get, whereas like, yeah, at, at least when I've played D and D, it's been up to the random tables, and unless I'm making yeah. it with my own two hands, so I could, I could see the benefit of like, I'll I like the primary I have right now, but let me re-roll and see what I could get. I can see that. I like. Because, like, whenever I, when I did run, like, D&D, my thing was always, like, okay, I gotta have, I gotta give my people cool items just that's, just for them. Like, mm-hmm. one of, one of my players is very much into Dishonored, so I'm just, like, I'm gonna try and give you the, the eye from, um, uh, Death, Death the, Outsider. the Outsider. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so I'm just, like, I wanna try and do that, like, sneak that in. But, like, I think, like, if so long as like items are easy to make, I think something like this would be great. Where mm-hmm. you can just like, I have a cool idea for an item that I just want to have. Like, yeah, I like that mechanically. I like opening up chests and finding weird shit in it. That's always fun to me. Uh, I will say, I think that's also one thing that's like a point in the Forge in the Dark system is the idea of long term projects. Like mm-hmm. yeah. the point of a long term project is to make that cool thing you want. It's to break the game. Like if I want that wrist crossbow, uh, that uh doll has i can make that shit and that will be a part of my character true but it isn't it is it is a different thing because like unlike the like being able to just decide what it is with the long-term projects which is the thing i like but i also feel funny about is that like you have to spend a long time filling out the clocks like when you decide to do a long-term project the usual thing is the GM says, oh, it's going to be a 12-stack clock, so you have to succeed on this. And if you roll if you roll a 1 to 3 on whatever action roll, you do one tick. And if you roll a 4 to 5, it's two ticks. Uh, 6 is three ticks, 5 if you get that, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And so things like a 12-step clock is just, like, hampering it, and you can't do the cool thing. And I found whenever I had a crewmate who wants to do, like, a cool long-term project... I either like made it too long or or I made it so short because I wanted it to happen. Like we've talked previously about uh, a devil box, which turned up in a in a Forge in the Dark game, which was you like pressed it and you can like rearrange the room you're in, or you can like make a pathway from the room you're in to some completely different location, like a doorway away. Mm-hmm. Whenever you use that, you gained the heat 
thing, the heat mechanic. And that was made in a session. It's basically like they encountered a painter who did that. And then uh, one of the players made a deal with the devil. Literally, there was just Mm -hmm. a devil that existed in in that setting. And then came up with the devil box. And it was like that. And it was just immediately everywhere. And I'm just like, that was so easy. I feel like that should have been more work. But at the same time, I liked that. I liked how it shook things up. Hmm. And with long-term projects, it can be a thing where it's just like, oh, you can't do this. Hey, Ashen. Yeah? Can we get a devil box for next season? <laughs> um, you think I'm going to allow that? I, like... I'm your producer, yeah. Cole. I don't have say on that. You can tug Jamie's ear. Produce it. Produce it. You can pull Jamie's ear and be like, hey, you should give him a devil box. No, see, <laughs> see, here, here's your problem, Cole. I'm going to go to Jamie and be like, here's the devil's box. You should give this to their enemies. And then they'll yeah. earn it when they get it. Oh, I mean... That was the thing in my campaign was that like the devil, the 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 thing the devil wanted because each of the devils have things they desire and they yeah. want to like have in the world. Uh, I made up my own custom one, which is immense catastrophic change. And so the deal was if if my if if Spoom made this devil box, mm-hmm. then it would have to have its blueprints released across the city so that everyone had it. Okay. Oh. And so the next next when we revisited that campaign, it was just everywhere. The police hate all the police were gone by that stage. Uh, but like everyone was just like, we don't know what to do. We what what's what's happening with all this stuff? I like ev- like everyone can go anywhere. All the the places are rearranging. Yeah, what is happening? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like what do you do when like space itself isn't? I mean, it was kind of like reconfigurement from um, Marielda, where yeah. like, the the city kind of shifted and stuff like that. But yeah. I will um, say, you said that, like, it felt too easy to give them to that. I think that's a good consequence of just, like, no, everyone knows yeah. how to make this now. It's a lot of work for me. <laughs> the thing, I'm just like, how do I do this? And this is something I brought up a Cole and will get released at some point. But I'm actually taking Blades in the Dark rule, downtime rules and applying them to my D&D games now. Because yeah. I agree, 12 ticks on a clock, very long time. 48 work weeks and 10 billion gold or whatever ridiculous amount is in the downtime rules for D&D 5th edition is so much worse. Mm-hmm. So if I, I'm choosing the better of two evils, I'm choosing Blades of the Dark. I had a player who wanted to get whip proficiency. And so like, well, I was tracking actual days in, in Blades in the Dark and like keeping a track of what calendar day it was whenever I did a session plan. And, like, they practiced for most of the campaign. Mm-hmm. And it was, like, a month-long, like, expedition. They did it every day, practicing this whip. And they didn't get the proficiency. <laughs> like, no. we finished that, that campaign. They didn't get it. They practiced every goddamn day. It got nothing. And I'm just, like, I'm just following the rules of the game. And I'm, yep. like, at the end of it, I was, like, starting to change the rules to, like, do stuff where it allowed it. But, yeah. D&D takes forever. Yep, I agree. And I will also, I will say for long-term projects, it's also really fun to take it out of the scope of just making something, because that's only one part of what long-term projects can do. It -hmm. could also lead to very uh, monumental moments in your campaign as people find information out and finally get the notes they need to take on the big bad. Uh, Much in the way that Cole just did, speaking of conspiracy boards and everything else uh cole's character in fire in the dark was all about 
building out this map and finding the headquarters for this rival gang so they could take them down. And that was the clock hmm. that needed to finish in order to get to the finale episode. I Yeah, I really would like to, I think like a big thing, and this is me kind of talking about like the next time I'm going to be playing Blades in the Dark for on Huntsman's Hydra for season two. I really want to, there's like a skill that spiders get where I can take someone to do my vice with me and then I can adjust their score by one to two. I would like to see something like that, but applied to long-term projects where it's more like it's a crew long-term project as well. That's a good idea. I think that would be a really fun one. Well, it's not in the same way, but Leech has, uh, you can put two ticks across any projects. Hmm. Um, it's, Wick has it. I used it to finish. We had a, we actually had a 24 tick clock because it was two 12 tick clocks between two characters. And hmm. I was working on whatever I wanted to work on. And then I would put those two ticks into this other clock. So that way progress was still being made on it. So it's, it's always interesting in that sense. I, I do wish that skill had the option for like, but if you want more or to apply it to multiple projects, do X, Y, Z. I think that'd be a really cool expansion on it. Yeah. Um, but that, that's the one I can think of off the top of my head. Uh, which do you think came first, Quiet Year or Blades of Duck? Fuck. Um, Quiet? Okay, so Blades was 2015. Mm-hmm. You know the time. No cheating. <laughs> okay, well then I won't answer. I think Quiet Year came out first. That's correct. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking. I'm looking at the acknowledgments, and it's uh, one of the acknowledgments for this game, like the the big games. Like it says, Dream Askew, Monster Hearts, and The Quiet Year by Avery Elder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's because it's a later edition or something, but it's really interesting because like The Quiet Year has famously got long term projects in a similar way, where it's like every week is like you mm-hmm. tick all the clocks ahead or forth, and you have like a six step clock for all different projects. And it never really occurred to me that, like, that came first and about, like, that sort of inspired, like, many of the, the big mechanics in in Blades of the Dark. Yeah. And I, I just found that really interesting. I was also going to say, like, another – so another big thing about Blades of the Dark, uh, it came out – it was, like, kind of in development at the same time as, like, Apocalypse World, if I remember right. Or no, Dogs in the Vineyard Apocalypse came World out. came first. Yeah, Apocalypse World yeah. came out first and Blades in the Dark was – like dogs in the vineyard at first, which ended up being a like a hack of Apocalypse World, and then Blades in the Dark came out uh, next. Yeah, Apocalypse World came out two thousand ten. Blades in the Dark came out two thousand sixteen, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, also, also Apocalypse World and Dogs in the Vineyard are listed in the acknowledgement section. Yep. Mm-hmm. Also that. Yeah. Uh, there's also Lady Blackbird. Also Fallout New Vegas. That makes sense, actually. I yeah no that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> I know. It never really occurred to me. Like, I'm like one of my things that I'm really liking because, like, I've been writing a lot, and I've always made sure to like list like what are my touchstones for whatever mm. project I've been working on. Mm-hmm. And it's just like a lot of the time I list a thing, I'm like, no one's gonna get why this is there. But like revisiting the acknowledgements for Blades of the Dark and just like seeing all these things, like it mentions Dishonored and Thief, obviously. Yeah. But like, yeah, quite yeah, it's a hundred percent a big influence. And like Fallout New Vegas, you can sort of like see how that fits into this. Um, a lot of these things I don't really know about. Like, I'm not really sure about 
uh, Thou Art But a Warrior by uh, Anna Krita mm-hmm. and Bliss Stage in Polaris by Ben Lehrman. Did someone mention Polaris earlier? It's a different. Was it a different Polaris? Yeah. Yeah, which which I don't know. And I'm just like, I'm reading through this and it's like reading through the acknowledgements of like a good academic paper. You're just like, oh, this would be really interesting to check out and just like yeah. see this. I should also note that uh, one of the designers, one of the other designers is Vincent Baker, who Vincent McGay both made Apocalypse World, which in turn made Blades in the Dark, which in, it, the degrees of separation between game designers is as close as like a coffee table and a coffee shop next to each other yes it's 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 like some kind of huntsman's hydra of, of <laughs> yes 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 <laughs> exactly um yeah and like one of the things i want to talk about is like to give people an introduction of what like like powered by the apocalypse is it is basically it is very much inspired by apocalypse world by d vincent baker and Megui baker um who basically made like a really fun apocalypse game uh it's big it's big innovations i guess uh uh that it has like fun moves where you can mm-hmm. just be like if you want to do a fight you just like roll with this it has very like a, a a setting that is very flexible and very like is defined by the players and yeah it's it's a really interesting game um mm-hmm. i think it's a game that hasn't aged particularly well like some elements of it are kind of just like too weird to read Mm -hmm. um here and there it's a game from 2010 that's natural Mm -hmm. um but one of the things that uh john uh harper always sort of sticks by is that blades in the dark is a powered by the apocalypse game which always sticks with me because it is so different to what i know about uh Powered by the Apocalypse games. It doesn't have moves. You have stats that you roll and have a standard roll that applies to everything, which allows for much more free play and much quicker play. So that instead of having to see like, okay, what happens when I fight? All right, let's get the reference sheet that says like what the what the fight move is. You just roll fight. You just do that and you fill a clock. It's the same move for hurting someone as it is having a conversation. It's all just one stat. Secondly, the 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 setting for this thing is so defined mm-hmm. like one of the things that i love about blaze in the dark is that like when i was just rolling random characters or when my plays were rolling random characters they just like found out that they were a relative of a of a member of the city council and so that was just me being like oh your, your last name is is rowan are you related to the pope and they're just like i guess i am and that kind of means that this game does have some flexibility with how you interpret it, but you have a very fixed setting, a very real world that you're in inside of. Mm-hmm. And you have a character that can kind of shape that world and change it up, but it's it's interesting. So I guess like my, my question is like what is this a powered by the apocalypse game or is this something else? What parts are similar? What parts are changed? What a genre what is a genre? I So my 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 thought process is like narratively and the narrative mechanics is yeah that makes sense because pbta games are narrative first fiction first stories you are Mm -hmm. telling you're telling the gm you're telling the table i want to do this okay that sounds like a hack and slash yeah um in a very similar sense you're telling the gm and blades in the dark uh i want to pickpocket this guy and i want to roll for nest for that and then the gm says okay pick position and effect and kind of I guess also in like the mechanical sense, because 
typically partial successes are you can do this or you can, uh, you get to choose your options for a consequence and mm-hmm. powered by the apocalypse. Whereas the partial success in this is you can take a consequence or you can roll to resist that. And yeah. that's still like you making a choice. So I can see where it could be that. And then also instead of moves, you have special abilities, which kind of take its mm-hmm. place. But like Minar was saying, having stats that are like your more generic roles uh, kind of is a key difference there. It's so much quicker. Yeah. It's like one of the things I absolutely love and one of the big influences that comes from this game is just that just doing that. Mm-hmm. And it still it still needs work because a lot of the time, like, I feel like when you pick the, the move, you're just like, all right, is this is this a bar? What, what, I, I don't know the stats. I've been playing all these other games. Is this a sway? Is this a consort? Is this? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of litigation there. I feel like another number of games that came after it have like very different roles. So there isn't as much overlap between sway and consort. Like mm-hmm. most resistance games have, all right, I'm going to roll kill or I'm going to roll compel. And it's very, there's a very clear distinct between those two. Mm-hmm. There's a very clear difference. But like yeah. this game, it is a lot like, what am I good at? What should I do? And yeah. Like and I will say, I think Powered by the Apocalypse has an easier time of making custom moves because you can easily come up with, like, different consequences based off, like, a character's backstory. Or you can say, mm-hmm. hey, for your character specifically, instead of rolling this stat with this move, you get to roll this stat instead. And, like, you yeah. kind of get that in Forge in the Dark games. But there's definitely, I think it's uh, a bit more negotiating and a bit more of, like, is this very situational ability or is this something that can be used all the time? Also, there's the whole stress system in general and the push yourself mechanic, which is leads to a lot of those special abilities because it's usually push yourself to do X, Y, Z, which are probably some of my favorite moves or favorite special abilities out of Forge in the Dark games because I look at, yeah. uh, for example, the Whisper in Blades in the Dark has uh, the Tempest ability which is like push yourself and you can do anything from uh, a lightning bolt to an entire storm. Like there's a Mm. range of things you can do in that. It's just a matter of how you interpret it and what you need in the moment. All right. So I want to talk about the the stress system because I have a, I have a take on it Um, to, to first to, to outline it. The the way this game works is that, Whenever there's a consequence, we, we briefly alluded to it. Whenever there's a consequence, you can basically... You, and a consequence, and you don't want that to happen. You can roll to resist it. And when you do that, you, it doesn't happen. Like, there could be someone coming into the room with a gun to say, I'm, I've come to get you. And you say, I don't want that to happen. I want to have prepared for that. Or someone could try and shoot you, and you can basically say, I'm going to try and dodge that. I don't think you can resi- reduce the harm entirely, mm-hmm. but you can... Um, you can try and resist it rolling with stress. And the way that works is you roll, um, I think, a relevant... How does it work? So to reduce it, um, you roll to resist using one of the three... So you have skills and stats. We've been referring to yep. We've been referring to them both as stats, but um, a stat yeah. would be uh, insight, prowess, or resolve. And you would roll which is a subgroup of- yeah which is a subgroup and then each one has like four skills attached to it so mm-hmm. you roll the main one and it looks at how many of those skills you have at least one dot in and that's what you get to yeah. roll so mm-hmm. if i have three skills in prowess then i roll three dice and so once you do that that'll determine like 
six, six minus, minus the highest. The, yeah, six minus the six highest. Six minus the result. highest thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so you basically do that. And when you get too much, you get a thing called a trauma. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and my question is this. How do you feel about this game as a game with a sanity system? Um, so I personally stay away from terms like sanity or having sanity systems. I've even changed yes. uh, Call of Cthulhu to a stress system rather than sanity. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, I totally see it and can agree with the, the commonplace of it. I actually really like uh, a rule. Cole, is it from another game or is it an optional yeah. rule in the dark? Yes. This is, we, we talked about this last week. Mm-hmm. Okay. Songs for the Dust by Kavita Perduri and Quinn Vega. Yeah, has the yes. quirk system, um, which I like a lot more because it, one, you still you still get the roleplay elements of having that, but it's something you can recover from, which I think is in the same vein as what should be available in something with a sanity system. You should be able yeah. to seek help or get assistance with reducing that amount. Whereas a lot of those games, yeah. that's a permanent stat change. Like I even look at yes. the the optional sanity rules in D and D, and it's very much like if this hits what? you, oh no, they're in the DMG. Yeah. Uh, if you're it's curious, bad. it's bad. <sighs> right up there with the honor rules, which are in the same section. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, <laughs> I those. So, I, I have to shout out this podcast real quick about uh, they did a whole <laughs> review on Oriental Adventures. This is uh, Asians Represent podcast. Yep, yep. It's a great episode. It's a great episode. Please go check it out. Shout out DM Steve and uh, Daniel. Like, they are both so cool. Yeah. Also, the fucking reactions to that was just hilarious. Yep. It's rough. Uh, But yeah, that's my general take on it is like, yes, I can see where it's a sanity system. I like it a lot more as a stress system. Um, Mm -hmm. Just because it... It more represents the, I almost take it as a real life scenario of, I only have so many uh, stress slots, spoons, spell slots, whatever you want to call them. And when I hit that, I, I quirk out and then I'm done for the day, which is essentially the same thing that happens in Blades of the Dark. You're no longer working on that job because you've shut down. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And so I I like- You literally- I think in both systems you're taken out of the scene. Yeah. You can't do anything as you feel this. Yeah. As you work through these emotions or basically get dragged along because you're too busy processing something that happened three scenes ago. Yeah. You start murder. You get haunted by ghosts and you start muttering that the McRib is back. (laughs) (laughs) What? Is that a reference? (laughs) Uh, In the first episode uh, on Fire in the Dark, I was saying in the Zoom chat, or I think it was Twitch chat or something. Uh, yeah. When I stressed <laughs> out and quirked out, I took the one haunted and started playing it off. Yeah. That like it's all these different people's lives coming in from me, and I messaged in chat. Uh, Tristero's muttering that the McRib is back. I got <laughs> yeah. a nice flip off okay. from Brandon on the producer side. Yeah, that's very funny. Um, <laughs> yeah, the expert in all things trauma, quirk, and stress is one ice cold brew. Yeah, I. I really do not like the trauma system itself. I think it feels bad. I don't like I 
if I want my character to go out, I don't want to be punished for pushing myself too hard. I want to decide when my character goes out, you know? Yeah. Um, I think a lot of games that do that really well is and is games that do have death mechanics that have mechanics of like, hey, roll two D6. Uh, and if you roll, you know, six minus, you're not dead, but you are marked for death. You will be dying yeah. at some point. The end of the session or whatever. Yeah. Which I think is a very interesting play because and there's a lot of games that let you do that, too, where you get, OK, you have you've basically pushed yourself to the edge. You get this one final hit. And I think Beam Saber does this. Yep. Um, With the mechs. Yeah, it's like final stand, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to just keep rolling a six. But no matter what, you have like great effect or something like that. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah. Because. Um, yeah to 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 i don't know just give my like final thoughts on like the this is a sanity system is that like my first tabletop rpg was call of cthulhu i hated this it was not a very good game i didn't really understand the rules mm-hmm. um um and i uh, i played like a bunch of like D, and they like frequently like threw in things like okay you go insane because you encountered a, a, a dracula and so like you're now like seeing visions and someone would just like play it up and as as someone with a bunch of like mental illnesses here and there um it always sucked to play through that yep um and with blades in the dark i always felt that like the traumas are very strong but it's like it is a different approach and it's not something that initially sort of like came to me like one mm. of the things is if you see a devil you take stress um you, uh-huh. you you take stress just seeing them which is very similar to the call of cthulhu mechanic um and i like i enjoyed it more because it was it was it was kind of interesting to do that but at the same time it is that is kind of what it is it is the thing that sort of like deals with stress and yeah. like when playing with a lot of people they they physically like feel stressed whenever they build up stress and they're like i don't want to lose my character yeah and a lot of that has to do with like the mechanic that i really don't like which is like being taken out of a scene when it like doesn't go well. Mm-hmm. I hate that. I always try and avoid that whenever I'm like writing a game or whatever. Like it's not fun to just be like, okay, you can't play for the rest of the thing. I've played like Forge the Dark games where that happened. I'm like, this sucks. I want to do stuff. Um just be cold and quirk out during downtime. Yeah. <laughs> I I think I mentioned that where like my big brain plan to uh clear my stress bar was to just quirk out during downtime by ignoring my stress <laughs> terrible it worked um but yeah i was gonna say also just get the foresight ability you get to help people out twice a session uh twice a score for free so if you can, you can be quirked out out of the game and still there i always think it's fun <laughs> um and yeah so so one of my things is i'm just really curious to see like what the next evolution of this is because blaze the dark is a you know it's not a 10 year old game. It's like a seven. I don't know how many. That it's one, seven, a, eight 2022. years. 2022. Yeah, it's an old game. I want to see like what the new thing is. And there's like the resistance system, which is interesting. It's not quite there. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see like how games deal with, with that kind of stress in, in different ways. Um, Songs of the Dusk is a really good example. Mm-hmm. Um, but. We have a hard out, so I'm just going to quickly go over to the, the, the final shout-outs. Let's quickly rush through this and try and finish up. Yeah. Um, Cole. Yeah. Um, for me, I currently, uh, my stuff I'm up to right now is I'm still working on MLE Open Net. I'm still helping out with that show, and I'm writing a show pitch for actual play shows I want to do in 2023. 
Um, mm-hmm. Now it's come down to like, I want to play five different systems. So that's an issue. And <laughs> uh, I'm also looking at other opportunities to try to be a professional writer for our scenarios and introduce people to new systems and teach people that. And I have a yeah. good group of friends right now that I can reach out to and be like, let's collab. Yeah. I'm there down we go. Hell yeah. Uh, Marley, what are you up to? You got a cool thing out. I, I wrote a game. I did it. I finally finished things. I finished this this game called The Night of the Scarecrow, which I will say is a, is a horror game. It's it's basically a zombie story where you uh, wander around a town in, in, in the afternoon and then things are looking a little bit off. There's like... Um, teenager with the pitchfork is running around someone stole a scarecrow someone threw a scarecrow through a store window all these things and then it sort of builds up to the scarecrow starting to walk around you have to grab supplies you have to run around then you lock yourself away and then the scarecrows get in and you sort of like do this and it's it's all basically draw a card answer a question it's very much inspired by um the quiet year and things like that and it's a bunch of fun. I read it very quickly, but I think it's a pretty good game and it looks pretty good. Um, so go check out The Night of the Scarecrow um, and also check out Blip by my friend Halcyon, which is a really fun little laugh about people falling out of space. Hmm. And it's really interesting. Brandon slash Ashenworks. Yeah. Hi. So as co-founder of Huntsman Sidra, I'm also lead producer. So we have six shows coming up. Uh, three <laughs> three new ones. Uh Two returning for season two, both of which Cole, are, Cole is in, and uh, the D&D campaign that is ongoing, but currently on hiatus. Uh, so just go go to our Twitter or Kofi or something and go see what all of those are. Uh, I'm also a game designer and released a game recently called Hot Tubs and Himbos. It's a hack of lasers and feelings, and uh, <laughs> it's fun. I don't know about this. Um, you, are, you are a himbo... Uh, himbo herbo or thembo working at a ski lodge uh which has been your hometown for as long as you can remember and it's getting taken over by capitalists and you're gonna put a stop to it so uh lots of fun the first time i ran it they got attacked by chatazon and they're chad bots and then right um and then belon tusk crashed in with its best (laughs) luck uh so you know, stuff like that. And it's uh, it's pay what you want, so go check it out. And then finally, I have uh, commissions open for streaming and tabletop RPG consulting um, or whatever else you may be need, need over on my Kofi. Right. Uh, what's the, what's the, does Kofi have a link or anything? Oh, uh, Kofi.com slash Ashenworks. Or if you want to support the shows over on Huntsman Sidra, that's Kofi.com slash Huntsman Sidra. And those will be in the show notes when I remember to copy paste them. That's okay. I'll I'll look it up. Uh, All right. So this was Inside the Table, a tabletop RPG talk show. And thanks very much for listening. I was Molly. You can follow me at minor underscore Lenahan. And my pronouns are he, him. And I was joined today by Cole. Hello. I'm Cole. (laughs) Okay. Ice Cold. Uh. <laughs> and my pronouns are he, him, they, them. And today we're joined by our special guest. Hi, I'm Brandon, aka Ashenworks, and I don't know Why? where this voice is coming from, uh, but you can find me everywhere on the internet at Ashenworks, except on Twitter, Ashen underscore works, and everywhere Huntsman's Hydra is just Huntsman's Hydra without the apostrophe or any of the spaces. So, you know, go check it out. Yeah. 
Uh, and uh, you can find this podcast at Inside the Table. Uh, do review on Apple Podcasts. I promised to check that out last week, and I have not. You have to log in to do Apple Podcast reviews. So if you've sent in a, a nice review, thanks so much. I haven't done it. Um, if you have any questions or want to recommend any like interesting games to check out, I recommend you send that to insidethetable at gmail.com. Otherwise, probably won't get it. Um, if you enjoyed this podcast, uh, uh, feel free to recommend it to a complete stranger. Uh, mm-hmm. In this case, we always try to shake it up and do something different. Cole, I, did I hear you speak up? Yeah, no, I was going to recommend that uh, you should definitely talk to this to a normal person like anyone else would and not play this on a public transit system out of a boombox or out of your phone speaker. <laughs> yeah, if you're listening to the public transport thing, uh, I'm going to publicly shame you. You should turn us off, get some good earphones. It's very rude. Recommend us to your vice purveyor. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Give us to your drug dealer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, every day is a five star Friday here at Inside the Table. If you have a game you like on, on itch.io or any of the various platforms, drive through RPG, uh, go out and give it a five star rating or just give a tweet about it to shout out how cool it is and 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 do things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that's 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 all we have for now. Thanks very much for listening and have a lovely day. Goodbye. Bye. 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 Why? Let's see what the quote is for Labor Day. Oh, happy Labor Day. Happy. Is there ever a reason to be happy about labor? Um, right. When you're not doing it? Yes. Yeah, that's true. Uh, oh. Let's see what the quote is. Sophocles, hide nothing for time which sees all and hears all, exposes all. I've, that sounds familiar to me. Oh, for time. Uh, this day in history, and I got an ad. That's cool. Is it is it cryptocurrency? No, it's... Damn. People rubbing um, dishware very essentially, now purses. Oh, it's for Marshalls. Okay. Who's Marshall? It's a it's like a retail store for like clothing and like secondhand items. Yeah, it's a shitty store. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's a shitty store with good value. It's a shitty store with good value. I will say any glassware I've bought from Marshalls has broken. Mm-hmm. As it should. I mean, it's glassware. I mean, is it like like have you been this is a stupid question. Have you been smashing on the floor was my question. <laughs> no, it would be like cocktail glasses or things and they would break i had one break in transit from marshall's to my house it was just sitting oh. in its box in my car that sucks yeah did you get like a refund or anything uh no because it was if i remember correctly it was on the clearance rack already okay so i bet they had a bunch of complaints about it and so they took all the inventory and put it in clearance Yeesh. Uh, this the only thing I know about Marshalls is it sucks apparently. I'm gonna look what it what it looks like. Uh so Cole, you get any of that rain? No. That was like all of last week. <laughs> oh, for the whole of last week? Oh yeah. Oh, I am loud today. 
little bit. Let me turn down my microphone. It just looks like every other store. I'm looking at this and I'm like, having been to America once and like visited like Florida, it's like, it looks like one of those places in Florida and everywhere else. Yeah. No, that that's basically it. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. I do have everything there. I see t-shirts. That's pretty good. Yeah, they got they have a little bit of everything because they they figure variety is the best way they're gonna get anything. Yeah. Oh, uh, this some of these pictures are dismal there. Yeah. I'm gonna close this. It's making me sad. <laughs> they're like they're also one of those stores that will take over where like another store used to be, so mm. they kind of have to fit their inventory into whatever space they have. Hmm. Which is kind of fun. Like, I have a, there's, like, a fishing store where I live mm-hmm. uh, that's in an old, like, uh, Pizza Hut place. So it has, like, this, the Pizza Hut architecture. Yeah. They have this, like, strange building, but it's it just says fishing. <laughs> and it's very funny to me. Because I'm like, I know what you are. Uh, we had, in my hometown, there was a coffee shop that took over a Pizza Hut. I'm trying to remember what ended up in the Taco Bell that was, like, across the street. Um... I'm going to search Taco Bell buildings. I want to I say it was like a seafood place. Uh, you have to specifically look up like 90s and early oh, wow. 2000s Taco Bell. Ooh, I like that. Like, I, I'm not a big fan of like fast food chains or anything like that, but I like those Twitter accounts that just like, this is, here is like old McDonald's, a really strange McDonald's around mm-hmm. the world. And as someone who was as a kid just absolutely loved them. I love McDonald's. I was just like, oh, this is so cool to see. Um, wow, Taco Bell looks weird as hell. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Very odd. The old design is way better. Got rainbows? Oh, I guess that's not... Okay, there we go. It's, it's supposed to be the Mexican flag? Yeah. No, maybe not. Mm-hmm. No, it's not. Yeah. My initial assumption was it was, but I think that it's just different colors. I don't know what it was trying to be. <laughs> mm. It's best, really. I also I went to I went to a Taco Bell when I was in America. Didn't really like it. You shouldn't. It's not very good. That's depression food. Okay. If you can call it that. Yeah, it's not good Mexican. Yeah. If you can call it that. Let me think. Because, like, I had something. I can't remember exactly what it was. It was, like, basically my the, the friends I was staying with uh, brought out a bunch of, like, random food. I, like, had, like, uh, cheese in a can, which I've never really I had in Australia. And I was just like, that also doesn't taste like anything. All. And then I also had, like, a, a Taco Bell. And I was just like, this is just nothing. Eat. Like, I like Mexican food. Why am I not enjoying this? I sh- this is good. This is like these meals. I was like at home. I'm just like, I'm so excited to go to a place and have it no matter what it is. And with this, I'm just like, how do they disappoint me, sir? And it left me heartbroken. And like we have Taco Bell's uh, Australia. Yeah, they both so shut up like online. Because I'm just like, I know. I know better. It is, it is 9.09 in the a.m. This is yeah, um, early. It's really fun because like I don't, 
I'm usually sleeping in because I'm like usually working in other time zones or I'm just like like I I'm a like freelance writer and this kind of thing. Welcome to episode Marley, eight did you ever get Inside to hang out with Zero and uh, the Role Plus Bond server, Zero Potential? Yeah. I like Zero I played I think my first game um with them. Him? Them? Him I, yeah, really sure. I think it's him. I can double check that. And but. Absolutely, like, I, uh, Zero is the best. I'm just like, it was so exciting just to sit and play. I played, like, uh, uh, that road trip game with the music. Um, Avery Alder. Avery Alder's, uh, um, God, I know which one you're talking about. Hold on. I can find it. I have it. Yeah. But, but I, uh, I played, I played that game with him and just had an absolute ball. Mm. Um, and yeah. Ribbon Drive. That's what it was called. Ribbon drive, and that just—I I played that thing, and I'm just like, Zero is great. No matter what Zero does, I'm into it. <laughs> Zero was in that Quiet Year experimental game, and it was myself, Chris, and um, hold on, I can figure out who else was in that group. I think I still have the Discord for it, but like all of us were um, talking about, yeah, Chris, Kai, Morgan, Zero, and I were in that. And we always were talking to Zero. He's like, yeah, you know, it's like 3 a.m. here. And we're all like, go to bed. Oh, man. International time zones are wild. He does a lot of playtesting. I think he was playtesting some vampire, like some of the first iterations of a, it was like a PBTA vampire game. And then like, I think he was in the playtest for Brinkwood, too. Brinkwood is the Forge in the Dark one. Yeah, Brinkwood's the Forge in the Dark one from a far horizons co-op yeah. yeah eric bernhardt that's why i've been thinking i cole i know i've mentioned this already mariah wants to do a one-on-one blades game at brinkwood's on my list of options mm-hmm. because God. spooky vampires honestly can't go wrong with that no i remember i was writing a forge in the dark brinkwood game at the time this came out but i was so disappointed i was just like but i wanted to be the first to write a vampire game yep and yeah there originality is dead as a writer originality is yeah. dead i am just gonna be okay releasing whatever i feel like oh it's the best thing yeah it's so interesting it's like one of the things i want to get into with the the forge in the dark stuff mm-hmm. that um like, what are all these inspirations? Like, I have the inspirations open up in front of me and just, like, looking, looking through them all and just seeing, like, this is the inspirations that this game brought and it's, like, it's so varied and so strange and so, mm-hmm. like, interesting, all the different inspirations. Mm-hmm. Oh, speaking of inspirations, uh, I finally hooked up my PlayStation 5 and I got DLC for Destiny 2. I am now on the whole. I know. I've never gotten into Destiny, so I'm really curious to talk about it. Uh, I, I'm gonna try not to go on a whole tangent, cause, um, how many hours am I at on Steam now? On Destiny? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, 1,023. Oh god. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. I played the campaign with my friend, and I'm just like, what happened? I don't remember. And then I just stopped. The original campaign? Yeah, I guess. We bought the disc for $2. Yeah, that's why. That, that first campaign was rough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I heard there was like one DLC that was really good with um, Nathan Fillion. Yes, that was. I think he died. Uh, that was Forsaken because uh, Nathan Fillion was like a main character. Um, mm. until 
he died in that DLC. I was going to say, didn't he die in like the first 30 minutes of that DLC? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, he dies in the first mission of that DLC. He's still like, they finally like changed all of the strikes to where I don't think there's one where Cade is talking, Nathan Fillion's character. Yeah. Yeah, because it's cheaper and it's really easier. That's very funny. Well, also, like for the first year, the first year after that DLC, they didn't have a filter for it if you had completed that mission. So mm. you would go into a strike and you would hear him and be like, no, you're dead. Like, why am I doing this? You're dead right now. <laughs> you just can't leave it, leave it behind. Mm. Um, yeah. All right. Well, uh, shall we shall we jump into it and do do Destiny talk proper? Yeah, let's do a show. Sure. I got time dot is open. Yeah, time dot is. I had my quote up. It's the future quote, which is "Time is a circus, always packing up and moving away," by Ben Hecht. Oh, I don't know who that is. I'm gonna find out who Ben Hecht is. Screenwriter. You have selected a fascist. Yeah, that's always a worry. Yeah. After graduating high school in 1910, Hecht ran away to Chicago, when, where, in his own words, he haunted streets, houses, whoa, excuse me, uh, of police stations, uh, courtrooms, theater stages, jails, saloons, slums, madhouses, fires, murders, riots, banquet halls, and bookshops. Who is this person? Hide nothing, for time which sees all and hears all exposes all. Yeah. Sophocles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, well, anyway, that's who that person is. So, uh, clap on 30? Yeah, clap on 30, let's do that. Alright. <laughs> and then 35. Yep. That was late. That's why we do two. Did everyone get those? At least one of them? Uh, yeah, they both showed up on mine. Sweet. Great. 